Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast on arseblog.oleole.com. It happens every Friday, and every Friday I say, oh, it's a busy show. It is true, though, today it is a busy show. On the way, Amy Lawrence from The Observer to chat about Arsenal, Arsene Wenger, Cesc Fabregas, the Man United game, slight reason to be optimistic there as well, and stuff in general about Arsenal. We'll be talking to Amy very shortly. The man in the bar will have a player history. Amari Bischoff PI is in there as well, as is Sylvester. So, there you go. That's all to come. It might sound slightly more echoey in here than it does, maybe you won't notice. But I notice when I'm doing this because the room, uh, since we moved the house, it was sort of full of boxes and stuff like that. And I I did a big clear out and now the sound is bouncing off all the walls. I don't have anything to damp it down. So if it's a bit echoey in your head, I apologize for that. But uh, maybe you won't notice. Um, So things not going particularly well at the moment, are they Uh, on the pitch? uh, I suppose uh, after last uh, last Wednesday's game against Spurs, we were all hoping uh, and expecting a reaction uh, on the Saturday uh, against Stoke, and um, we didn't get it. Uh, we didn't get much of uh, much of effort. We didn't get much of a, a performance. Um, we got injuries to Adi Bayor, to Walcott, to Sanya. We got Robin Van Persie sent off, which was a, a stupid thing for Robin to do, given the fact he now misses the next three games. Uh, and of course, we lost, and uh, we lost to two. Rory Delap throw-ins, even though everybody was aware of what it was he could do. So between the goalkeeper and the defenders, you really have to look at them and say, uh, you didn't deal with that well enough, or, you know, you weren't organized well enough to deal with that. Uh, at the other end, though, you know, you can concede two goals and win a game. We've done it before, and I'm sure at some stage long, long into the future, we'll do it again. Uh, but you can concede goals and still win games, provided you score them. So it was a bit unusual, the manager's team selection. No Walcott, no Nasri. So no width. When you're playing Diaby on the left and, and Denilson on the right-hand side with Alex Song in the centre of midfield, uh, then you're really doing your midfield a disservice, I think. Uh, I know we've got uh, games coming up and, and what have you, but uh, 
you know, these guys are only what, 20, 21, 19, Walcott? Do you know what I mean? They can do anything, loads of times. They can play three football matches in a week. They can have sex more than once a night. You know, they've got stamina and energy that, you know, you don't have when you get a bit, <clears throat> a bit older. So uh, that selection was unusual, as was the um, demotion of Van Persie to the bench, I thought, because I thought Van Persie had a good game uh, against Spurs, probably his best game of the season, in the sense that he was involved in, in nearly all our goals. In fact, he was involved in all of them. So uh, I found that a bit strange. Um, Addy by Oren Bentner, I don't know, they're, they're just kind of the same to me. Big, tall guys. Maybe you need a bit more craft. So uh, the manager really has to look at his team selection. And we've been over and over this, uh, you know, since uh, on the blog and in the comments, etc., etc. And it's maybe a, uh, what you would hope, if there's anything positive to be taken from the game, is that Arsene Wenger can now see that his team is, is desperately weak. There is a, a fundamental weakness to his football team. Doesn't matter who you've got out. Doesn't matter uh, who's on the bench, etc., etc., you should beat teams like Stoke, you should beat Hull, you should beat Fulham. I'm not saying you have any divine right to do that, but you should. If you're going to uh, challenge for the title, you should beat those teams. We haven't this season. Uh, and while uh, some of the issue is down to quality, and we are lacking quality, obviously, at the back, and obviously uh, alongside Sesk in midfield, in my view, that's where we, we really need somebody, Uh the effort and the commitment and the work in the games that we've lost hasn't been sufficient uh, to get the three points. And Stoke aren't very good, and Hull really aren't very good, and Fulham really aren't very good. Uh, so man for man in terms of quality, that I don't think that's the issue. But if you work hard, if you put the tackles in, if you're committed then you're going to win the game, or at least give yourself a good chance to win the game. Uh, Arsene Wenger, of course, is very critical of Stoke afterwards, saying that they set out to deliberately injure our players. Now, I can see sort of where he's coming from, but at the same time, I think it's wrong to suggest that Stoke, the deliberate tactic was to go out and injure Arsenal players. They're a team that's just come up from the championship. They're a big side, a physical side. They can't compete with us in terms of skill. We know this. So they're going to get stuck in. A couple of the tackles were not great, but not that bad. They weren't that bad. I thought the one on Adibayor was pretty bad. The one that was off the pitch where he basically raked his ankle. Not a good tackle at all. But I didn't think there was anything uh, in the Delap tackle on Walcott, for example, that we haven't seen one of our players do countless times. Uh, and would Arsene Wenger then turn around and say that his player deliberately went out to injure? They were deliberate fouls, absolutely. But then deliberate fouls happen in every game. From the Premier League to Sunday League football, there are deliberate fouls. If someone gets injured, it's an accident. It's not uh, any player's intention, very rarely is it any player's intention, to deliberately hurt uh, an opponent. And I don't think it did the club uh, much good or Arsene Wenger uh, did him no service to talk about Stoke deliberately trying to injure our players. I thought that was, I thought that was a bit mad. I have to say, uh, and while he might want more protection from referees, 
Um, if he's trying to create a kind of a siege mentality, then then fine, maybe it'll work. Or maybe the reverse will happen, that every time this kind of thing happens to Arsenal, we seem to be bleeding on and on about it. Whereas we're not the only team that gets kicked, we're not the only team that gets tackled, we're not the only team that gets injuries when players get kicked. We have, in the past, and not too distant past, administered injuries uh, to, to other players on opposition sides as well, from tackles that weren't particularly clever, but weren't malicious or weren't designed to hurt that player. So I think the manager just has to accept that that, that happens. And perhaps the best way to combat that kind of thing is to get some players in our team who like to tackle as well, who can get stuck in, who don't mind the physical side of things, because at the moment we, we look a bit brittle and we look like we don't fancy it. And I know what the manager said, but, you know, we've got a reputation now as a team that can be bullied. We need to stand up to the bullies, not in the press, not by the manager complaining, not by asking people to look at the fair play league. That's not standing up to it. We've got to get players on the pitch who can give some back. Maybe it's cynical, but that's what I would prefer to see rather than to hear Arsene Wenger talking about that over and over again. So I think enough has been said about Stoke. We draw a line under it and hopefully, hopefully we can uh, we can move on and, and start doing things correctly. We had Fenerbahce, of course, in midweek. Said all I need to say on the blog there, really. It was an improvement on Stoke, wasn't it? Clean sheet. Didn't lose. Got to look for the positives. Robin Van Persie should have scored. He really should have. Uh, had some good chances in the first half and had one of those gone in, then it probably would have been a different night. But when things uh, are going against you or things aren't really running, well, that's what happens sometimes. Keeper make good saves and strikers miss goals they should score and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we've got the uh, visit of Manchester United uh, to come tomorrow and uh, chat a little bit more in terms of team news uh, about that later on. But for now, um, let's welcome back Amy Lawrence to the Arscast to talk about things that are, are going on and troubling us all. Hi, Amy. Hello, Arsenal. Uh, let's go back to Wednesday night's game against Fenerbahce. Um, some people have said it was one of the worst performances they've seen from Arsenal. Obviously, the team is in a bit of a, a funk at the moment. They're struggling. And I suppose no, nobody more so than Cesc Fabregas, who is the heartbeat of the team. And when he's not ticking, um, we, we tend to struggle. Um, the body language from him on Wednesday night was, was telling in some ways. Um, is he suffering? Is it just a, a dip in form, his first ever dip in form for Arsenal, or is there a slightly deeper malaise? I mean, I think when you say is it his, first, his first ever dip in form, that's probably not entirely true, but he's had difficulties in the past. And when he first came into the team, even though, you know, in my opinion, Sesk's pretty much always been brilliant, there were some difficult games that he had and some periods he had to overcome. But he had players around him that meant that um, not all the responsibility was on him. He now shoulders such a monumental burden for this team. And frankly, when you see, it, it is, it's shocking to see a change in his body language because he is so fundamentally upbeat and he has been such a force for um, energy in this team uh, over the past years. So it looks very weird to see him sort of almost looking a little bit moody or a bit disinterested. But who can blame him? Because... Why, if you assess Fabregas, would you run harder than all of your teammates and uh, try and think brighter than all of your teammates um, every game when you're just not getting any kind of help? I, I actually feel a, lot, a great deal of sympathy for him because, you know, you can, you can only lead a team 
that's <laughs> that's full of strugglers for so long, and he can't win a game on his own um, most of the time. And people do not rise to his level. This team at the moment is not good enough to rise to his level. And that's quite a sad state of affairs. And I think it's quite sad for him, probably. But uh, but I, I understand if he's feeling a little bit sore that he works his heart out uh, for this team and uh, with not enough reward because he just doesn't have enough quality help. Leaving aside maybe the quality issue, because I think we're all agreed that that, that is there, it must also be a factor when, when you hear players like Clichy, who is probably one of the only players who can't be faulted for effort, and Sanya, uh, talking about lack of focus and lack of effort, uh, particularly w- with the Stoke game. Uh, and that's worrying in a sense that we've had wake-up calls already this season. Is it a case that the manager obviously talks a lot about his young players and how much he believes in them and how much quality they have, etc., etc., etc.? Is there a danger that some of those players have believed that to the extent where they think they don't necessarily have to put in the effort to win games? I don't think it's that. I think it's confidence, pure and simple. And actually, Arsene Wenger has been a hallmark of Arsene Wenger's teams over the years, that confidence is um, a critical and very fragile part of the makeup of the team. And even his great, great teams had moments when, you know, suddenly the shakes would hit in. And, I mean, famously, there was always that that traditional November slump um, for years on end. And actually, there were a couple of years that that hasn't happened, So, particularly last season. So people sort of forgot about it. But even with a great team full of great world-class players, there was always a bit of a blip um, that went on around October, November. So... This team is is having an absolute crisis of confidence and, and one hesitates to ever uh, uh, pay too much attention to what goes on down the road. But it is quite scary in a way that Arsenal at the moment look a little bit like Tottenham did a few weeks ago, which is a team that just looks very vulnerable, that it doesn't take much for things to go against them and for heads to drop. And you talk about the effort. You can't fault a player like Clichy for effort. You're absolutely right. But you can fault him for concentration. And those two things are linked Mm. And all the players, because confidence are low, it is low, uh, are finding that they're having terrible lapses of concentration. I mean, it's very weird that you look at, uh, at the Fenerbahce game, for example, and a player, you know, most of the players, you'd have to say, just don't look anything like what they're capable of. Nicholas Bentner, who I think has got genuinely very good potential, had a horrible game, but that's not the real Nicholas Bentner. Colo Torre as we all know, has been having a, a difficult season. But here's a guy who quite rightly was a member of the Invincibles and was fantastic uh, when he was on good form. And you can literally go through the team from front, from back to front and say nobody is playing anywhere near their potential. And that's a confidence issue. All right. Well, how does the manager now turn it around, um, given the fact that obviously the, the, the game against Spurs was like a hammer blow to the confidence and we heard about uh, arguments in the dressing room and I think that's entirely normal but it's obviously shaken them uh, quite badly what does the manager have to do now uh, in the short term because uh, longer term I, I think he's got to look at improving the squad quite considerably but in the short term between now and January which is the first chance he gets to do that what can he do to, to change things and, and make things better? Pray really for for an upturn in uh, in fortunes, or for just something to go for them that will restore that confidence. It's a a phrase Arsene Wenger's often used, and it's stuck in my mind. Where he says confidence is the is the hardest thing 
to gain and the easiest thing to lose. Um, and when it's gone, it's, you're just desperate for, for something, anything. A bit like, in Tottenham's case, coming to Arsenal and nicking a, a game that was impossible. Suddenly, they all feel a million dollars. And were Arsenal able to uh, produce something a little bit memorable and momentous against Manchester United, for example, well, perhaps the same thing will happen and that these players will suddenly realise they're not as rubbish as they've been in the last few weeks and will we'll feel a little bit more comfortable on the ball and a little bit more together and uh, and have, have a renewed sense of purpose. And, in fact, this situation now reminds me a lot of in the 2001-2002 season uh, when Arsenal played Man United at home in um, it was in, in November and the period prior to that was absolutely dreadful and I will read you some of the results um, in the league uh, drop points against Blackburn at home drop points against Sunderland uh, uh, an absolutely horrible uh, Champions League performance at Schalke lost 3-1 come back to, to the league lost 4-2 at home to Charlton uh, a 1-1 draw uh, against Tottenham, and uh, then an, abs- uh, an absolute exhibition by Deportivo La Coruña, who beat Arsenal 2-0 in the Champions League. Things were not good. You know, the, the form was out the window, and players were lacking um, all sorts of self-belief. And, and and then Arsenal played Man United. I think everybody turning up to Highbury was full of doom and gloom. United were, were on good form. Fabian Bartes threw two goals straight at Thierry Henry. Mm. It was an absolute blast. And um, I think most people will remember what happened in the 2001-2002 season. And Arsenal pushed on from that springboard, won the championship, and didn't lose an away game all season. So you just sometimes need that little something to go for you to to completely alter the mindset. Uh, And I think Arsenal needs to get down on his knees and hope that maybe um, uh, Man United might be similarly generous this time around. Uh, obviously, they're going to be thinking it's um, a good time to come and play us. And uh, you know, while the uh, the comparison there with two thousand one to two thousand two is is interesting, there's a, there's a very uh, distinct difference in quality between uh, the two sets of players, I suppose. Um, sure. Longer term, uh, and and it's difficult because fans are are now, I think, more than any other time in Arsenal Wenger's right now, beginning to really openly question. Uh, his decisions uh, and and what he's actually doing. Uh, longer term, he's got some big decisions to make as well. Besides getting on his knees and praying for for uh, Edwin Van der Sar to throw us two goals uh, tomorrow, um, is we know he's a, a famously stubborn man. Is he going to accept the fact that maybe the way he wanted things to work out isn't going to work out as quickly as he would like, or at all? It looks that way. And, you know, one of the things about Arsene's reign is that he has very much done things on his own. I don't think there are, he surrounds himself with an awful lot of people at the club who will tell him no or who will um, disagree with him strongly or give him some suggestions that he might not have perhaps thought about. You know, he really calls every single shot. And I think it's a shame that there isn't anybody at the club um, now who will not necessarily stand up to him, but maybe given a kind of reality check, because something radical has got to change. And obviously, in most cases like this, the radical thing that changes is the manager. And I think nobody wants that to happen. Um, nobody wants, uh, for all the amazing work that he's done at the club, 
for Arsene Wenger to to go and for somebody else to come in because for a start that's no guarantee that there'll be a, a, a change in, in in fortunes anyway um, and he deserves the, you know every single last possible change Quality sleep is essential that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. ...to turn things around. But maybe he needs a bit of a push in the right direction to make those radical changes. Um, if it's, It could be that it's a change in, in the whole policy of the club. And you know, this lovely youthful experiment beautiful idea not working at the moment so you know go out and spend some money and it might be a case that the board have to sit there and give him a check and say look you must spend this we don't really care how you choose to spend it but you're going to spend it in january and you know what you're going to spend this in in um the summer as well because if the money really is sitting there in the bank well it's not doing anybody any good is it um and then given the state of banks anyway, it might not be there for long. So you may as well go out there and use it if you've got it. Um, and other radical suggestions, of course, just include, uh, you know, changes to the coaching staff, for example, um, to try and uh, bring round or, or bring on a group of players that need more help than they're currently getting. Um, it is interesting, I suppose, when you look at the game, the Fenerbahce game last night, and the amount of empty seats that appeared around the stadium. And I suppose that, more than anything, would be an indicator to the board that uh, maybe they need to, to intervene slightly, because they've always said there's no point in us having a, a big stadium and not having a winning team. Quite. And I think, you know, maybe as much as Arsenal needed a bit of a wake-up call, uh, uh, the board probably does as well, because it's been terribly easy for them to be complacent. Because who can argue with the fact that it's you know been a terrifically run club over the far last few years, and the move to the new stadium has been uh, perceived by pretty much everybody as incredibly uh, brave, but a very successful move. Um, they're rightly proud when they can go and sit in their lovely seats and on the whole watch some very lovely football and generally at, at, at home Arsenal play winning football. Okay, perhaps the last couple of games or so hasn't been quite the case, but over the best part of uh, two and a half seasons, it's been you know a good return uh, at home. So they've had reason to, to, to feel that they're doing things the right way. And I think it's very nice in this current mood where you find a lot of clubs 
too many people from on, on high intervening with the manager and they buy players for them and there's been a lot of controversy about that. Mm. Um, that That's not the way Arsenal want to do things and, you know, we should applaud them for that. However, um, they need to stop being complacent as well and realise that the game has maybe moved on from the ideas that even Arsenal had formed three, four, five years ago. So you've got to move with the times. And I think I wouldn't mind seeing what uh, Stan Kroenke has to to say about all this. Because here is somebody with a completely new outlook and a fresh outlook compared to what's um, existed at a board level at Arsenal forever. And, you know, maybe he's got some ideas. And I think they need to be open to... um, a bit of a fresh idea because however unpopular David Dean has made himself since he left the club, um, one thing he did bring was some drive and energy at that level. Um, and that that is missing. It is the lack of a CEO. Um, you know, Dean hasn't really been re- replaced since he left. We know Ken mm. Fryer is doing a lot of the work and Ken Fryer is a real Arsenal man. Um, but we've no chief financial officer and we've no um, CEO. Uh, I think that's significant. I really do. Yeah, and and the longer that uh, uh, I think it's weird that it's taken this long for the situation to sort of stagnate um, for a club of Arsenal size. Uh, I don't. I don't think there are many other major clubs in world football that would have uh, sort of trundled along without key figures upstairs um, being in place. So. That's an, I don't think that helps either. And as I said before, I think Arsenal lacks sometimes people to bounce big ideas off. And whether we like it or not, uh, Arsenal definitely used to bounce big ideas off David Dean. Um, and so, you know, there just maybe needs to be some new personnel uh, in senior positions at the club, whether that's scouting, whether that's financial side of things, whether that's um, coaching, you know, bring it on. Let's just shake the place up a bit. All right, Amy, we better leave it there for this week. Uh, thanks very much for your time, as always. Cheers. Thanks, as always, to Amy. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have her on, and we'll have her back soon, no doubt. Now, uh, before we go too much further, let's go to the bar, where the man in the bar has got a player history. Hello, dear Blubber. Good to see you again. Uh, what a strange old week it's been. Football, boys. Most disappointing, you have to say, after last week's throwaway against Spurs, you think, well, they're going to bounce back and win the game against Stoke, because Stoke are nothing but a bunch of fucking just-promoted shit-kickers. However, it didn't turn out that way. We were completely unable to defend the throw-ins by Rory Delap. Now, let me tell you something here. That if all the Irish players in the world died tomorrow and Giovanni Trapattoni only had one player and that player was Rory Delap. he'd probably get the game called off by FIFA because he'd say I don't have enough players but he still wouldn't pick Delap. he'd say I don't have any players so the football's been very strange but of course the world has changed what with the what's his name Benson being elected as the president of America I'm curious to see what kind of change he'll bring about. If he could do something about the price of a point in this place, well then I'd be very grateful indeed. I'm not sure that he will, and as such I can't give him my full and unwavering support. 
Still, he's better than that four-eyed lizard, I suppose. Now, this week's player history, we're doing a player that came to Arsenal from Stoke in 1988. And it wasn't Lee Dixon. That's right, it was Stevie Bold, a great big tall skinny centre half of a fella. Bit like you, what? Ah. <laughs> anyway, 1988, George Graham bought him from Stoke City, and you know, if you look back on some of the pictures there now, he looks a little bit like Dimitar Berbatov. The difference, of course, is that Steve Bold was not a complete and utter cunt. He was a vital part of the teams that won the old First Division, of course, in 1988-89 and 1990-91. Uh, he didn't play in the FA Cup and League Cup finals that we won in 92-93. His place in the team instead going to Andy Linnigan, who went on to score one of the winning goals. So, um, slightly fortuitous injury, all the same. He became a linchpin in the team himself, and Tony Adams and Martin Keown, oh Jesus, they were what centre-halves are all about, compared to the fucking yokes we have now. And the other thing about Stevie Bold was that he had no hair, but Arsenal fans, being the tolerant and understanding people that we are, we didn't care. He played that wonderful pass through to Tony Adams for the, would you believe it, goal uh, that won the title at Highbury in 97-98. And picked up an FA Cup winner's medal the same. He had one more year at Hybe before he went to Sunderland and played against Arsenal and Thierry Henry, no respecter of old Arsenal legends, of course, turned poor old Boldy inside out and gave him arthritis. So he had to retire from football. After that, he travelled the world for a few years, discovering a pygmy tribe living in the shell of a Galapagos turtle. After that, he came back to Arsenal to get some of his coaching badges, and nowadays he's one of the youth coaches at the club, saying Jack Wilshere's ties are among the biggest he's ever seen in the world. He has even less hair than he had before, but we still don't care. It's true. We'll have more from the man in the bar on another Arsecast, probably next week, in fact. Uh, just taking a quick look at the Ole Ole uh, Ars Blog Fantasy Football League, uh, in which the winning team is going to win an Arsenal shirt. I think we decided on that, didn't we? It's all very tight at the top. Attraction 11 on 586 and Arson's Red and White Army on 583. Mistaken on the Pounce on 573. Uh, those uh, three teams doing well. In fourth place, Rock Warriors on 551. Hoppo's Heroes on 545. African Arse on 539. Don't Pop a Bollock on 527. Arse Knicks at 524. Brew Crew at 519. And also in the top 10, uh, Fabrisas on 517. So those are the uh, latest scores uh, in the Fantasy Football League. Uh, my team, of course, is. Um, uh, nowhere to be seen. Well, there's somewhere to be seen, but uh, I can't scroll down that far uh, anymore. It's just beyond me. I don't have the stamina of a 21-year-old. They can scroll down you know, three or four times a night, you know. Not me. This is rather incredibly Arsecast 99, would you believe? I mean, 99 of these things, which means next week is 100. And you, usually when you do 100, you get, you know, special guests and episodes and stuff, so... I'll have to have a think about that. If anyone knows a really special guest that would like to come on the Arsecast, uh, feel free to let me know. The Arsecast, or it's Arsecast at Arsblog.com. Uh, that's the email address. But only truly special guests like, uh, I don't know, who would be really, really special? Um, yeah. Off the top of my head, that's that's kind of kind of difficult. 
I remember this cartoon that was called Hamilton, the musical elephant. I remember that when I was a kid. I'd love to get him on. Not much of a conversationalist, but damn, he plays a good trunk, honestly. We'll be looking ahead to the Manchester United game very shortly. Some team news coming up. But now, Amari Bischoff, P.I. The guy walked into the office. I could tell straight away he was French. Mostly because he was wearing a t-shirt saying, Je viens de France. Like those t-shirts you see the girls down at the mall wearing. Black, skimpy, and with silver writing saying, Slut. Anyway, what do you want, I said. I'm looking for something, he said. What's that? I'm looking for my team spirit, he said. Oh, that. Well, I'm not the guy you should be talking to. Who should I talk to then? Well, you know the guy, I said, wore the stripy top, had the guitar, the kind of blonde hair. One small problem with him, though. What's that, he said. Well, he's kind of dead, I said. Oh, I'm never going to find my team spirit now, he said. Wait, I said, you said team spirit? My mistake, I thought you said teen spirit. Oh, he said, that's good, so you can help me? Mr. I said, I'm a private eye. Ain't no miracle worker. So, Manchester United, on Saturday, that's tomorrow, in fact, and one of the biggest games of the season, always. Uh, the rivalry with Manchester United down the years has been uh, fantastic, great fun. Um, but I have to say I'm a little a little worried about tomorrow. Uh, there is a school of thought, of course, that, you know, maybe in the big games we'll be better. We've struggled against Fulham and Stoke and Hull and Sunderland, teams which aren't really very good. So maybe when we come up against a good team, we'll raise our game. The other more scary part is is that if we struggle against the really bad teams, maybe it'll be even worse against someone like Manchester United. So there's where I'm a little bit on the um, shitting-my-pants side of things. Uh, in terms of the team, Arsene Wenger says that both William Gallas and Theo Walcott are 50-50. So I take it that's going to be they either will or they won't. Um, Almuni is back in training, so he will be available after his sickness. And I do think he probably was sick and not dropped. Uh, Sanya is a slight concern after his uh, ankle injury that he picked up against Stoke. Uh, he was on the bench against Fenerbahce in midweek, uh, but hasn't taken part in full training yet. We know that Emmanuel Adibayor is out for three weeks. Uh, with the ankle injury he got. Ebue uh, has a knee injury. He's definitely out. Robin Van Persie, of course, is suspended. Who he plays up front is going to be really interesting. Um, I suppose Bentner is the only real option we have. Uh, and I suspect he might do that whole five in midfield thing again. But then he's got to fill a role on the left side of midfield. So maybe we'll see, maybe we'll see something like Nasri. Oh, maybe Diaby behind the, the striker. I don't quite know how he's going to do it. Uh, maybe Carlos Vela could come into the team. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, whatever team he picks, though, uh, we've got to really uh, sort ourselves out. In terms of effort and application and concentration, we've got to get all those things right tomorrow. Otherwise, uh, we are going to get turned over, I would say, because United are a very, very good attacking team, and we are not a particularly good defensive team at the moment. But maybe this calls for optimism after the clean sheet against the mighty Fenerbahce the other night. Uh, in the centre of defence, uh, Juro, I thought, did well, uh, and maybe could keep his place. Who knows? Uh, the manager says that uh, Sylvester is a bit of a gamble. 
Uh, he's got a broken nose and an open wound, but he says uh, he should be capable of playing, but in the next 48 hours, I'll have to decide what we do. You can't rule him out, and I feel he can play, but I have to decide whether I go for the gamble or not. So, will we have Sylvester against his old team or not? Hello, everyone. It's me again, Sylvester. You might wonder why my voice is so funny. It's because I've got a broken nose. A terrible week for Arsenal and now a terrible week for me. My beautiful face has been ruined. I went up for the Edward and Sigan. He hit me right with his fist. As I'm sitting there bleeding, all I can think of is... Is this hurt far too much for me to even make some smutty innuendo? Oh, baby! What a hero he'd be if he played through the pain with his broken nose, his beautiful face ruined as it is, and scored the winning goal against his old club. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I'd say odds on that happening are pretty, pretty high, though. Uh, So that's really about it. All we can say is that, look, uh, things are a bit bad at the moment, but they won't always be bad. And it's depressing, but it won't always be depressing. And a win over Manchester United... Who knows? That might just help us turn the corner. Nobody's saying we don't need some surgery or some additions to the squad. We do, but this is the team we've got until January and we need to support them. And when Sesk is coming out and saying that he understands how the fans feel and how frustrated they are when we don't get the results, that's an acknowledgement from the players that they know they need to do better. And fans can play their part. A good atmosphere tomorrow at the Grove, right behind our team, and completely and utterly against their team. Remember, look at who they've got on their team. Ronaldo, cunt. Gary Neville, cunt. Berbatov, cunt. Rooney, cunt. Rio Ferdinand, cunt. Anderson, cunt. Nanny, cunt. Scholes, cunt. Giggs, huge cunt. So they've got all these cunts on their team and while our lads might not be the best lads we've ever had we should stand shoulder to shoulder with them tomorrow against the cunts. You never know. It might just make the difference. The noise. Remember last time, was it last season when we played United and the lady that sits in the corner when Giggs was taking the corner from that side and there's a great picture of her sitting there giving him the finger. Well, that's what we want. We want more of that old lady madness. We need more old lady giving the finger to United players attitude across the board throughout the stadium. And that will go a long way, I'm sure, to helping the players uh, try and get a result tomorrow. So fingers crossed they can do that. Fingers crossed the noise is good and the support is good at the Grove tomorrow. Uh, That's about it from this Irscast. We'll talk to you again on the next one. And, of course, uh, all weekend and all next week on the blog. Until then, bye-bye.
Hello, Tony Adams here again with another poem for the Arsecast. As I am now the manager of Portsmouth, I feel it is below me to do poems on podcasts. Therefore, this will be my last ever poem until such time as I get sacked. This poem is entitled Roy Delap's Long Throws and it goes a little bit like this. Fling-chuck. Oh, oh no, it's another Rory Delap long throw. What are we going to do? Edit out. Thank you very much. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.